Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is episode number 156. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we have Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing, Kevin? Doing pretty good. Good. That's, that's excellent yeah. to hear. Uh, oh, this, yeah. this week we'll be talking about three movies. Uh, we got Sabbatical, we got All the Wilderness, and we got Wild Tales. Not, uh, not too many connections this week unless no. you unless you count wild in yeah in two of the movies oh man pretty interesting wild uh we're also going to be talking about some of what we've been watching and of course we'll be going over this week's movie predictions new on video on demand and dvd and blurry releases remember you can send us your questions to podcast at filmpulse.net or leave us a comment on the site we'd love to hear from you let's kick things off uh let's let's go ahead and dive into sabbatical because i think that that one came out before the others did that come out just this weekend because i was getting some conflicting dates on that do you know anything I, I, about that i was as well i've i've seen that it came out in december on the internet apparently at some point last year but the way i came across is it that it came out on vimeo on demand on like monday or tuesday yeah is what i saw that's and that was from the director yeah and i i went so. to the sabbatical website and it also said that it was this week so i don't know if this is a, a 2014 or 2015 release are you going to be adding this to your 2015 I'm, movie list I'm, that's the... I'm, go- I'm going to okay I'm going to. i was gonna it, it, you know it popped up vimeo on demand in 2015 so that's what i'm counting it as and i didn't see anywhere else that it was available like i looked on amazon and other sites to see if it was v- available on those, but at any rate, this is currently available on Vimeo. It's written and directed by Brandon Colvin, uh, and I have a synopsis here. While on sabbatical, Ben Harden returns home to care for his ailing mother. This stars uh, Robert Longstreet, Rhoda Griffiths, and Kentucker Oddly. Now, Kevin, you wrote a review for this. It's up on the site now, uh, mm-hmm. and so I'll start this one off. I I liked this movie, but like you said in your review, it's very rare that I read reviews that we uh, that we are that, that we're going to be reviewing on the on the show. I don't mean like it's rare that I read your reviews in general. I mean whenever we review a movie on the show, and one of us wrote or somebody wrote a review, I try to avoid it until after. Uh, but one of the one of the things that you say in your review is about how. This movie is so sparse and there's like, it's a tough movie. It was a tough movie for me to get through even at 72 minutes because it's just uh, so little happens. There's so little dialogue. There's so little camera movement. Most of the, most of the, uh, the scenes are just static shots, no movement whatsoever. Just people sitting across from each other at a table or in a chair or whatever. And it's just a, it's a very minimalistic movie. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. And it suffers from that, that, uh, the thing that we like to call the indie lull. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Which is, you know, someone says something and then there's this, you know, this deafening silence for entirely too long. You know, it's not, uh, I wouldn't say it's how people actually talk to each other in real life. Yeah. Until, you know, someone actually responds to what was said. You know, it drags on for 
for quite a while, which only seems to pop up in indie movies. Yeah, I've noticed. Definitely. I actually <laughs> I had a problem with that. Norm, it's weird because sometimes in movies I won't have a problem with uh, that kind of structure where it's super super low low on the dialogue, low on the camera work, like just static shots. Uh, sometimes I don't have a problem with it. I think it just depends on my headspace, where I'm at, mm-hmm, what I'm mm-hmm. feeling, because sometimes I, I can handle a movie like that, sometimes I can't. In this case, I just wasn't, I was having a really hard time staying on board with this. It was just struggling to keep my attention. I gotcha. I can understand that. Now for me, because I don't, I don't think you've watched any Brisson movies yet, have you? Mm, I don't think so. I don't think you have. So early on, I knew what Brandon Colvin was going for. It feels a lot like a Brisson movie, where in Brisson films, the the characters, the actors themselves, he just he does take after take after take after take to essentially break down and try and strip all the emotion out of the scene. So what you're left with is just kind of like lifeless zombies just reciting lines, which some people like for some reason, but for me, I can't stand it. So in this movie, what I saw it as is where maybe in a Brisson, the emotional levels of the actors, the knobs turn to like zero, if it's even on at all. And then in Colvin's movie, it's the characters and the actors are kind of, the knobs maybe tweaked up to like three. Maybe three. Just a, Two just or three. a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit more, which made it, for me, that's what, that's what kind of hooked me as I was like, oh my God, this is a Brisson movie. But it's actually enjoyable well, compared to the other Brisson movies I've seen. It, w- it was weird because it wasn't like the characters were completely lifeless. It was as if no. it was as if the life had been drained out of them. Yes. They they felt all the characters felt so just drained and tired and just hanging on by a thread. Pretty much. I mean, it's. It's probably the most depressing I've ever seen someone heating up a Hot Pocket. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the, just the amount of dejection in that scene, which kind of, I, what, I think it plays out in real time. I think so. Yeah. It's just I've never seen a sadder, a sadder scene involving Hot Pockets. Well, if I was a middle-aged man heating up a Hot Pocket. <laughs> it's a, that's how it would look. That's exactly how it would look. Performance-wise, Longstreet killed it as usual. I think, as usual. I think that it just... Anytime an actor gets a role that has very little dialogue and demands a lot of uh, acting via facial expressions and uh, body, body, body... Yeah, body language. I think that that really goes a long way. And it, it reminds me of like Macon Blair in Blue Ruin and how... For the beginning of that movie, he had to do so much with saying very little, and uh, <clears throat> Longstreet just—he just nailed it. He... Yeah, and I mean, <clears throat> when you have a performance like that, you don't really need dialogue because everything is conveyed through his performance, just through his body language, really. Yeah, which I think is maybe, which could be what kept me in, because I no secret I'm a big Robert Longstreet fan. So I think that that went a long way I to think, helping me enjoy this. I, I think that if it was anybody else other than Longstreet, I would have an even harder time. Because I think that 
Well, I like Ken Tucker oddly too, but yeah, but he was kind of he. I was I was kind of disappointed that he's not in it. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. He's not even in it that much. So really, the only kind of thing I had to hold on to was Longstreet because I'm a huge fan of him too. So yeah, I think without Longstreet, this movie probably would have been a disaster for me. And uh, uh, Kentucker does have one instance where he really nails it, and that's when he's trying to fix the TV. Mm-hmm. And just that little, <laughs> that little outburst of exagger- agitated sigh that he gives. Mm. Why, is it, why is it apart? Why is it taken apart? But would I, I was very curious to see what you thought of the dinner table sequence where it starts off screen... And you're not a hundred percent sure of what's going on, um, and then you slowly realize what's happening, and the camera pans over to him. Yeah, I liked that. I thought that was, <laughs> I thought that was funny. It was just that was, that was immensely disturbing. There was a lot of stuff in this movie <laughs> that I that I laughed at or chuckled at, and I wasn't sure if I should have been. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a, it's very, it's very uncomfortable. Yeah, it's pretty... not only not only the way that it plays out, but also the way that it's shot. There's, you know, some of the framing choices are just really. Yeah, um, it's it's some kind of four by three. I think it's a four by three aspect ratio, and it looks like it was shot on some kind of old digital camera. It looks like shit. I'm sorry, but I th- <laughs> I think it looks like shit. The f- I thought it I thought it played well into because it looks muted. Well, yeah, it's completely colorless. But you can do that, I think you can achieve that same effect using a better camera. Like, I don't have a problem with the cinematography, I don't have a problem with the framing, I thought that, that was all fine, it was just, You're just the, the, the actual, the yeah, video. like, the actual clarity of uh, the video itself. I It looked like, yeah, it just looked like an old uh, VHS camcorder or something. Hmm. I think you... you... You seem to pick up on that stuff more so than I. I don't, you know, I really can't tell differences between. Well, it also depends on how different. It depends on how you're watching it too. True. Like if you're watching it on a big HD TV, it's going to be more noticeable. Gotcha. Than if Is you're that watching how you it. Watched on, it. Yeah. Ah, I gotcha. I watched it on my little computer screen. No, see, then it it probably if I watched it on my computer on my laptop probably wouldn't have been as big of a deal or as noticeable, but. As it stands, watch it on Vimeo on my uh, TV, and it looked like shit. So, gotcha. which <laughs> for some, well, for some people, that's not a bad thing. It depends. Like sometimes I like movies that look like shit. You know, if, if it's a style, <laughs> if it's a stylistic choice, then yeah. that's fine. I gotcha. But I just felt, I don't know. I just I wasn't digging it. I wasn't digging the look. You weren't into it. Understandable. Wasn't digging the look, Kevin. All right. Fair enough. Uh, all right, so <clears throat> I, I actually don't have too much else to say Dude, about this movie, other than there's not, there's just not a lot there to me. That's there's like not a lot sto- there. Story wise, plot wise, very it's a very restrained movie. Yeah, like we don't very very they don't really get into the lives of these people very much, which I, I don't look at that as a bad thing, but um, they just kind of hint. There's just hints. Yeah, yeah. There's hints going on. And it all essentially builds up to this final face-to-face confrontation because Longstreet's character is, you know, he goes back home to take care of his ailing mother who just had a stroke. And 
he essentially just escapes constantly and doesn't actually do what he's supposed to be doing, even though he's supposed to be responsible and taking care of his mother. He just mostly leaves and gets drunk, and that's about it. But then there's this, it all culminates with this final confrontation, which normally you would think like, okay, it's going to be this big blowout full of emotion. But no, even then it's extremely restrained in the way that it finally comes together, where it's just like a little, little outburst of emotion coming to the surface, and then it's over. Yep. Which I thought was nice. Yeah, I, I liked uh, I liked how they ended it with the the shot of Kentucker and and uh, Longstreet there, and then it's just that super close up of Longstreet's face yeah. throughout the entire confrontation, and then to have the credits roll as you hear all the the machinery beeping and whatnot. Yep, it worked for me. It worked for me. That worked Very, for that, so. yeah, that worked for me too. The end. Uh, it's just it was it was refreshing to see. Usually when we're dealing with these indies, they're, which we're going to get into here in a little bit, you know, a lot of times they're very predictable. Well, yeah. You know exactly what you're going to get <laughs> yeah. when you go into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it yeah, was kind of, refreshing to, <laughs> kind of refreshing to be taken back a little bit and thinking to yourself, okay, I haven't really seen this before. This is interesting. Yeah. It's a fresh, fresh take. Yeah. Uh, I'll somewhat agree with that statement. No, you wholeheartedly agree no, with that. It's statement. just to somewhat agree. You son of a bitch. So you gave sabbatical seven and a half on the site. You're sticking with that mm-hmm. score? I am mm, I might want to bump it up to an eight. Whoa. I don't know. I, I'm gonna stick at the seven point five right now, but I you know, I saw this back on Wednesday. Way back. And yeah, and all week, you know, it's been popping up in my head every day since then. I'm coming back to this movie and thinking about it. Hmm. So the other movies that I've watched this week, they have not stuck with me at all, really. So that's saying something. Well, I'm going to give Sabbatical a... I'll give it a six and a half. Six and a half. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. I liked it. I just thought that it was a bit lacking in certain areas. Yeah, I mean... With the plot and the dialogue. I, I get it. I get that... It, it's <laughs> i'm trying to you're struggling yeah i am it. struggling because <laughs> it makes it my comments make it sound like i don't like the choices they made with the dialogue but that's not necessarily true i like the sparse dialogue i like the uh uncomfortable scenes when it's just kind of two people looking at each other and you're just waiting and hoping that someone says something to break this horrible, awkward silence. I like that. Uh, maybe it just has to do with the actual uh, plot of this movie. I just wanted something a little bit more, just a little bit more meat on that bone. <laughs> I can. I was. I was kind of curious to see what you'd think because after watching it, I did think to myself, you know, this. I don't know if this is really up your alley. I'm not, it's, you know, it's, it's not, so, I don't think it's completely your cup of tea. Um, it's, I think that you could have, I thought that, you know, he could appreciate some of the things that are going on here, you know, respect it, but I don't know if he would fully be invested, you know, in a kind of entertaining way or an engrossing way. Yeah, it really kind of just straddled that line for me. That's why I'm giving it a six and a half, because I, I liked it. I thought that 
because it was only 72 minutes, it's not that they forced you to <laughs> in- endure this for yeah. two hours or anything. I think that was a smart decision. But and I and I can appreciate what they were going for. I mean, it's a depressing, cold, emotionless movie, and it oh, worked. Yeah. It worked on that level. <laughs> it sure does. It definitely does. I just didn't. I just wanted more. I just I felt like there just wasn't enough there to really hold my attention. So I, just one other thing that I want to point out is number one, like we said, it's on Vimeo on demand for I think like three ninety five to rent. Mm-hmm. I think is what I paid for it. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Colvin's uh, debut film, Frames, I also found on Vimeo for free. This sabbatical is his sophomore effort. So just in case you're interested, anyone listening, you can also watch the debut, Frames. There you go. Check it out. Which is, uh, which is I'm going to do that. I'm going to get into some of that. I'd be interested to see what, what that's all about, too. So, sabbatical, check it out on Vimeo right now. Let's go ahead and talk about All the Wilderness, since that's we were kind of hinting at it there. <laughs> this this is an actually, uh, this is a directorial debut from Michael Johnson. He wrote and directed it. I have a synopsis here. A restless teenager explores the wilderness of his city while struggling with the absence of his father. It stars Cody Smith McPhee, Virginia Madsen, Isabel Furman, uh, Danny DeVito's in there for a little bit. And he pops up. Evan Ross is in there. It's Diana Ross's son, by the way. Correct. All right. So, all right, Kevin, what'd you think of all the wilderness? <laughs> Damn it! I wrote a review for this one. Oh, you did? Oh, oh, that's I right. I did. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. I'll I'll start it off too. Uh, I didn't like all the wilderness at all. <laughs> I I, <sighs> I had a really tough time getting on board with this one oh, just because. Man. Every every mm-hmm. scene felt like the indie movie checklist to me, oh, and yeah. I sometimes I buy into it. I f- I fully admit sometimes I buy into the American indie tropes. However, this movie it felt <clears throat> so uh, cookie cutter and generic to me that I just couldn't get on board. I thought that while the visuals are good, they look good it still felt like mm-hmm. he- so heavy handed and well, even the, the visuals that you're talking about, even they, I mean, essentially just at numerous points throughout just goes into like music video mode. Yeah. Yeah. Where they're just like montages yeah. and it does it really, it's not adding anything yep. to the actual narrative that's going on here. It just seems like an excuse to like show off a little bit. Yeah, and that was why a, are we spending so much time with this party sequence? Yeah, and that's exactly what, what is, I was gonna say. It feels like a music video, especially that party montage where they're you know doing the uh, looking at the spinning chandelier thing or whatever that yeah, was, I, and it was like speeding up, and then yeah, definitely it definitely went into music video mode there. Yeah, uh, it's insufferable. And Let's just be honest. All the wilderness is insufferable. For some reason, as I was watching it, it kept reminding me of Perks of Being a Wallflower. I'm not really sure why, but <laughs> I felt the Perks of Being a Wallflower was way better than this. And I don't even know. I shouldn't even be drawing that comparison because they are kind of different plot-wise. Yeah, I mean, you weren't even a, a fan of that one, were you? No, I wasn't. I wasn't a big fan yeah, of that's, that one. Yeah, that's not good. That is not good. <clears throat> the other thing is I typically 
like coming of age stories. However, this one just wasn't all that interesting to me. I think that Cody Smith McPhee's character of James just wasn't that likable. <laughs> like I didn't really, no. I didn't really like this kid that much, and I think that that kind of detracted from the whole coming of age thing. Yeah, and if you're wondering, you know, well, what's so wrong about James? Well, here, let me tell you real quick. Number one, he keeps a notebook that just catalogs dead things that he finds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you have that. He draws okay? them. He draws them. He, dra- he draws them. Oh, oh, my goodness. Now, he also tells people when they're going to die via notes. He likes to scribble out a little note, which gets him in some trouble. Um, he likes to read Moby Dick out loud for some God unknown reason. Yeah, as soon as the voiceover started in this, I was like, uh oh, Kevin's gonna have an issue with that. Oh, you don't even know. Uh, this say, I had is a, the worst kind of voiceover. Big time. I had a big time issue with the voiceover because it it was so unnecessary. I'm sorry, but it has it, absolutely yeah, nothing except did not for have trying to, be to, there. to tie this whole wilderness theme into it so essentially what he does is he's voice he's doing a voiceover recital of a carl sandberg poem throughout most of the film just at odd times really like it doesn't yeah it doesn't really uh it's not worked into the plot or the narrative in any sort of way that's like okay i understand this decision it just sticks out like a sore thumb where you're like Okay, what, why? Yeah, why are we doing this? It's inconsistent when they throw it in, so when it does happen, you're kind of caught off guard. And I love Carl Sandburg. I love me some Sandburg. I got Carl Sandburg on vinyl. I have that poem on vinyl. And now I have Cody Smith McPhee Every no time you emotion. listen to it. Every time no you listen emo- to it, you're going to hear Cody Smith McPhee reciting it. Oh my god. He's just a mopey pile of flesh throughout the there's just nothing to his character, really. He's not hes not charismatic. He's not charming in any way, even though his last name is Charm for some reason. There's just nothing to him to really, you know, get in his corner and root for him or even just want to watch him do whatever the hell he's doing. He's just so bland. Yeah. Everything about this movie is bland. Yeah, yeah, I thought that everything about this movie was bland, too. I, The whole... Love story is also very typical, very boring. But extremely by the numbers. You know that it's going to happen at some point in time. Um, I'm actually quite surprised that they didn't make it as quirky as I thought they were going to make it. Even though there is, you know, a decent amount of quirk. You know, they they both seem the same same psychiatrist. She All makes right. she makes silly little pastries. Oh man, out of a food, food truck. <laughs> oh, food trucks goodness goodness oh my and then well and okay another thing that this is really what got me well no the sandberg shit is the thing that really got me the thing that got me a little bit less was the the inclusion of these black oh yeah all all black shadow the shadow people shadow people that chase him through the night i guess to try and signify his doubt and fears and anxieties or whatever and they sort of float off when he's running away from them it seems like they're hinting at something like he actually might have some you know schizophrenia yeah serious mental illness going on but then it just seems that they just drop it completely 
towards the end of the film, and it only, it's never fully developed. Yeah, it's it, never really. It only happens. It only happens twice, I think, if I remember yeah. correctly. And they never really explain it. They don't. I think that it's supposed to be his anxiety getting getting him, but because mm-hmm. the first time it happens, he's like running onto a bus or something, and then the second time it was when after he saw. Uh, minor spoiler alert here. He saw his possible girlfriend kissing another dude. Yeah, that just oh, that set him off. And then you also have the fact that I mean, Evan Ross does a pretty good job in this film for what he's given, but at the same time, his character is like an unbelievable pianist, but also homeless person. Well, I never, yeah, street kid that lives above this weird. Nightclub. Yeah, I didn't really know what that was. I, I, I was slash like, abandoned building. I was like, is that his house? Are these people just hanging out in his house all the time, or is this some sort of skate park thing? Like, what, what is this place? It, <laughs> it feels like it's something out of an '80s movie, where you know, it's like from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two, where all the Foot Clan hang out. <laughs> that would have been an interesting movie if it just all of a sudden went down that route. Yeah, and that doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. And then, of course, we have uh, Virginia Madsen as the uh, alcoholic mother, hmm. sort Drinking of al- wine. sort of, sort of alcoholic mother. You know, she's self medicating with her wine, her red wine. I would drink a shit ton of wine too if that was my kid. <laughs> Having to put up with his shit, kidding me? Yeah. And then Danny, Danny DeVito plays, you know, a psychologist that is tasked with helping James Charm. And even he seems completely disinterested. Yeah, he's, he's just he's working been, on whatever. What is he doing? Like building a I model or something? He's <laughs> making like a homemade chess set. So he spends most of the time whittling and sanding wood pieces, not even listening to the kid. And then towards the end, he's just like, yeah, I know your father. Did you know that? And I guess that was supposed to be some revelation of some sort. But you're just like, man, no one seems to care at all. Like, they're just see- there's no passion in this movie. Yeah. It's just nothing. Oh, this was a slog. I, yeah, I had a, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I just, uh, nope, nope, nope. Not on board with this one at all. Uh, I don't know. I don't see, know. and you know how you kind of point out that sabbatical is a slog, which understandable well, it's very sparse with dialogue I, I can see that as a criticism but man this is all a, the wilderness <laughs> yeah this was different this was completely different they're just i mean they're piling on the emotion in this one and it's even more of a slog yeah my god show some restraint and it all builds up to this like revelation at the end that smith mcphee delivers which feels extremely too little too late well i figured I put the pieces together pretty early on. Yeah, I know they don't so, do a good job of. It wasn't to me. It wasn't like a big revelation. I wasn't like, oh my god, that's why yeah. he's, that's why he has problems. No, you kind of knew it. They give you, they give you a lot of pieces of oh, the they, puzzle. They telegraph the shit out of everything. Oh, that's yeah, a shame because I like most of the people in this movie. I think that all the actors are are good. I just didn't. I didn't like anything about it. No, me either. I mean, they all do. They do a serviceable job. Performance-wise, like yeah, they're fine. And like you said, the cinematography is not. It's not atrocious. There's some things in there that 
you know, do pique the interest level a little bit, but it it never comes together to really create anything substantial. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, all right, what are you going to give All the Wilderness out of 10? I give it a 4. I am also giving it a 4 out of 10. All the Wilderness is currently playing in select cities and video on demand, I believe. Yeah, it's on demand right now. So, I would I would probably avoid that one. <laughs> avoid it. I think that a lot of people there's there's something there for a lot of people um to like, but for us uh no. No. We've just seen so many movies like this. Oh my god, yes. So. It's just another one. It's just bland indie coming of age number 72. Yep. Skip it. Let's move on to our final review of the day. We're talking about Wild Tales. Oh, my goodness. This is written and directed by Damien Zifron. <laughs> this is actually nominated for uh, Best Foreign Language Film at this year's Oscars, which... By the time you're listening to this, has already happened. And I'm going to say that it didn't win. I'm also going to say that it didn't win. We're we're recording this on Sunday morning, so we can't really talk about the results, but I'm sure that we'll get to it next week. I have a synopsis here for Wild Tales. It's a story... Okay, now, just let me preference this. I read this synopsis beforehand, and it doesn't make a lot of sense, so just bear with me. A story about love deception... The return of the past, a tragedy, or even the violence contained in an everyday detail appear themselves to push them towards the abyss into the undeniable pleasure of losing control. So, that's that's what it says. Yeah, that's verbatim. That's on point. That's on point. Now, Kevin, we'll start with you since this is one you didn't actually review. What did you think of Wild Tales? Wild Tales, uh, it was entertaining. I mean, it was a decent way to spend two hours. Uh, I don't, I'm kind of confused by this. Like, is this actually a film? Because it's just a, a series of six short films all put together, but they don't connect in any way whatsoever. Yeah, that, I thought that they were going to do something to bring it all together, but... So it's just like a compilation of this guy's short films. That he was like, oh, instead of releasing all of them, I'll just put them all together. Well, they all do have, it, they do all have kind of the theme. same theme. There's a theme, but it, in the same way that you don't call a collection of short stories a novel. Good point. But I don't know if that's, I don't know if that really gets in, well, there's, or we get into it when it comes to films. It's it's the same as, you know, one of those like Paris, I love you, or New York, I love you, or... Whatever True. the fuck I love you. <laughs> or uh, any of those anthology films. ABC's of Death, VHS. Yeah, but then you at least have different directors. Yeah, yeah. And those movies tend to be very different from one another. The VHS ones at least tend to be... Well, actually the ABC's of Death too. The only, so it, the only theme in those it, is horror. Yeah. Now the nice thing about this is it being six short films that are not connected kind of deal with the same themes, but are completely different stories in and of themselves is that it makes that two hours enjoyable. Yeah. It, it goes, you know, cause you just, you're, you know, they're kind of, they are wild tales. They're clever and they're very interesting to see what, where in the world he's going to go with each yeah. story. Cause you, 
that's the that's the thing about these short short vignettes is that you always know that there's going to be some hook or twist towards the end. You're always and you're trying to figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the same with any any short film or any anthology film where you're always trying to figure out where they're going to go with it because you know that there's a limited amount of time. Correct. And with most of these movies, uh, there's always a couple that didn't land for me. However, with this movie, I liked all of them. I thought that some were stronger than others, obviously, but for the most part, I liked all of them. Yeah, there's only, for me, I thought there was only two that kind of dragged on. Let me guess. Like I like I kind of got, you know, I got the hook, I got the twist already and it just seems to go on and on. And I was like, "All right, can we get to the next tale?" Was one of them the the demolition one? Yes. Yes, most definitely. Now, the well, other... actually there's three. <laughs> there's three. <Okay>. So half <laughs> of them was the one uh was the other, one of them the wedding one? Yes, the wedding one, which but... I did find funny, but it for me, it just went on a bit too long. Yeah, those were the two that dragged a little bit for me, but it was really not enough to be no, detrimental no. overall. No, I just thought they could have been uh, whittled down a little bit. And also the one with the <clears throat> the husband and wife and their son with the car accident. Yeah. Because right off the bat, I knew, okay, I knew that they were going to get the gardener involved well they and i know exactly what's going to happen to the gardener yeah they kind of i feel like they kind of telegraphed that one but it is kind of funny the way the the whole negotiation uh, how he just gets sick of <laughs> how it he, how it flips and he just doesn't care anymore i will say that i think that the i think that the strongest one was the very first one and i think that the way opening the film with that one was an well, excellent it, way to open it. And it's fantastic because it's so ridiculous and off the wall yeah. that it comes out of nowhere. You're not thinking that that's going to be the twist yeah, and because I, it's, it's ridiculous. There's no way that that's going to be the twist is what you're thinking when it finally comes to comes to light. And you're just like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what made it a bit maybe not as enjoyable because it started off so strong. Yeah, it started off with such a... Uh, yeah, yeah. And I thought, you know, maybe that's going to be the theme throughout. It's just it's going to be these ridiculous, off-the-wall, wild twists that you're not going to see coming. But then, you know, the further we go, they become more and more tame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot, a lot more predictable. Yeah. Yeah, I'll agree with that, but again... Because right off the bat, the guy, the demolition guy... I mean, instantly you know what's going to happen. Of course, of course. <laughs> you know that he's going to blow something up. Yeah, something's getting blown up. Again, though, that really didn't... It didn't bother me too much. I'll agree that a lot of this stuff was fairly predictable, but it didn't really take away from my enjoyment of, no, no. of it. It's just, for me, it's not... like I don't see this as a memorable film. You know, at the end of the year, no. when we're discussing films, I'm probably not really going to re- remember Wild Tales, except for maybe the title card where the two parents... <laughs> love it. I fucking love it. <laughs> I love that they freeze... That's where he decides yeah. to freeze frame. They freeze frame right there. I loved that. And I like the the, the third tale with the, the two drivers, the road rage one, how just it just keeps escalating and escalating and escalating. Now, that one was kind of 
that one was kind of unpredictable. Like, yeah. you, you knew what was going to happen, but you didn't know it was going to go that far. Yeah. yeah. And it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And oh my goodness. I got to say, I, I like the visuals a lot in this movie. I thought that the cinematography was quite good. There was one scene in particular that stuck with me, and that's... Uh... The camera housed on the swinging door. <laughs> <laughs> We know each other so well. Oh, yep. yep. Because as soon as I saw that, I was like, yep, Adam's going to bring that up. I can feel it. What's wrong with that? It was a good shot. No, it's a good shot. I enjoyed it as well. It was my favorite shot. Also, some really excellent framing, especially in the the Road Rage one with the guy. The mirror, the rear view mirror was placed at exactly the right point because it was just covering up his ass crack. <laughs> It was like, man, they really had to... There, that was some meticulous framing right there. It basically covered I, up that guy's asshole. And everything else was exposed. I hate to be the guy that had to that had to line that up. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we can, we can see your asshole there. Let's just move it over like two inches. Okay, now we can see your balls. <laughs> you, could, you actually you could see tilted, his balls in that shot, but... <laughs> tilt it down just a little bit. Yeah, bend over just a little bit. Oh, too much. <laughs> Oh boy, I had a lot of fun with this movie. I gotta say, I I didn't. It was fun. It was extremely entertaining. It's very very entertaining. I didn't. And I the the thing that I did like about the 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 wedding tale was it felt a lot like Force Majeure, where uh, he just yeah, when he like when bit. he broke when down he, when he just loses it. Yeah, <laughs> he throws up and then yeah. he breaks down and he just starts <laughs> crying, and she's pointing out you know like. She's asking the guys to start filming because she wants to show it to her kids later. I, I did like that. I liked the the trajectory that that took because, or maybe I should say the velocity in, in which that escalated. Because you find out, you kind of know what's going to happen as soon as they show her looking at the other girl. And then she calls the number and you know that something's up there and that things are going to take a turn. Especially because there's a fairly long build-up yes. to that point. But as soon as she confirms confirms what happened, <laughs> she just goes from like 0 to 100 and turns into this crazed lunatic. And you're just like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> oh, and she's... And it's fun because, you know, she, she leaves. She has a discussion with this guy. You know, gives her some advice, and you think, "Oh, okay, she's just gonna pick herself up, end this, and just move on with her life." But no, I that just is not what happened. I love that first, that first interaction on the rooftop uh, after the the new husband comes up, and she's just like, "I'm gonna f- destroy you. I'm gonna take all your money. I'm gonna do- <laughs> We're married now. Everything of yours is now mine." I just loved that. That whole it's thing. The fact that she's like, I'm going to push you to the point where the only escape you have is jumping off of a bridge. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that you can do to get out is to commit suicide. <laughs> and I was just like, I've, that's not the way I thought you were going to go with it. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but at the same time, bravo. I'm clapping for you. And uh, I think that that's a good idea. And it just, and it, it escalates from there. It gets. And she does even more yeah. to pile on top of that. It's and <laughs> that one is pretty wild, I will say. Oh, it's definitely wild. I did quite enjoy that one. 
the build-up is a bit too long, I thought. Yeah. But, you know, minor quibble. Same here, yeah. I, I thought the It's just, the, you know, the, the majority of the beginning of that section, you are just at a wedding. Yeah. And yeah. there's nothing worse than being at a wedding. Yeah. But it is effective in that we know that something terrible is going to happen. So that does kind of make the build-up a little bit more... It does emphasize it a little bit more because the whole time yeah. every, everything is so saccharine and perfect, but you know just because of the previous five movies that you saw that something is going to happen here, something awful. Yes. <laughs> and you're just waiting for it. <laughs> I think it is interesting that this was nominated for an Academy Award. It doesn't I, feel it like doesn't, a, the type of no. movie that would get nominated. No. No, it doesn't at all. Because like if this was an American production... No way. It wouldn't get anything. Nope. It wouldn't even get a look. Because this is treading into genre territory here. I mean, there's a lot of... Uh, several of the sequences are violent and gross, and it's uh, definitely not what I would call Academy material. No, not at all. Yeah, I'm glad it got nominated. I don't see this winning at all <laughs> no but i can't see that happening that'd be crazy if it did win <laughs> it's not going to i think it, it would it, be crazy that would be a wild tale in and of itself. it would be it would be because if it wins then more people are going to seek this out and watch it and i think that this is the type of movie that general audiences need to see and just they'll be blown away by it i think it's just it's fun it's entertaining it was it was a nice two hours. I agree. I'm going to give Wild Tales a... I'll give it a seven and a half out of ten. Ooh, I'm giving it a seven. Seven out of ten. We will have a review for this up probably by the time you're listening to this on the site. I had Blake review it this weekend because I knew that you and I were going to be covering it on the show. Wild Tales is playing in select cities now. I don't believe this is on VOD as of yet, but... I would imagine since um, since it got nominated for an Oscar, I would say that it'll probably be out on VOD some sometime relatively soon. Yeah. And I would recommend checking it out. It's it's not what I expected. I actually didn't know anything about this going on. I did not either. I, I, I didn't know that it was vignettes. I didn't know any. I literally went into it completely blind, and I was really pleased with... Because that opening... I was like, "What? What is this movie? What yeah, are we doing it's, here?" Uh, it's, that was kind of my thought process as well. So it's like, "Oh, that's a coincidence." Yeah. Oh, that's another coincidence. Yeah. Wait a second here. Something, something's up here. Uh, we, I loved it. What are we getting at? Yeah, loved it. And then you, um, even at the, you know towards the before the final reveal, it's like you're just kind of thinking to yourself, "No, it's not going to go there, is it? No, can't be. That's too ridiculous." And it does. Yep. Unabashedly. Oh, yeah. Yep. All right. So, Wild Tales, check it out. Let's go ahead and talk about some predictions, or what we've been watching. Sorry. Jumped a little bit ahead of myself there. Yeah, come on now. Kevin, we'll start with you this week. What do you got on your list? Oh, I watched two that were extremely similar without even knowing it. I talked about it a little bit on the last episode, and that's The Equalizer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Equalizer with Denzel Washington. Not 100% sure why I watched this one, but I did. Okay. Uh, number one, I didn't know that this was, like, a reboot of a TV show or something. 
Oh, yeah. I, I didn't know that. <clears throat> I had no idea. But Denzel Washington plays a guy with a shady past. No one knows about it. He's working at the Home Mart, the old Home Depot. And he's just the nicest guy ever. It's so hokey and ridiculous because he's just, I mean, he is putting in 40 hours at Home Mart. He's helping everybody out at the Home Mart. I mean, this guy is just the nicest person ever. He's helping the one guy get in shape so he can make weight for the security guard position, which they spend a lot of time on, actually. There's like a scene where he's showing him, he's giving him advice like a nutritionist, and then he's like a life coach helping him out. And then there's a whole sequence where he's training the guy. It's just very bizarre. Uh, And then there's another scene, like the way to let you know that the guy did indeed make weight and become a security guard is out of nowhere there's just a sequence where they're playing baseball the home mm. mart baseball oh. team okay this guy's like i got it i got it. he's running out in the outfield from second base and denzel washington just comes in all business man just so much business he's no nonsense catches that fly ball runs into the dugout and they're they're the guys standing with the security guard uniform on, and they're just like, "All right, you made security you guard. You did it. That's it. That's the fucking scene." Then we move forward to Denzel Washington just destroying the entire Russian mafia, single-handedly killing every member of the Russian mafia. Not only that, but also all of the corrupt police officers that are in the pocket of the Russian mafia. Just takes care of everyone. Nice. And that's the entire movie. <laughs> the entire movie. Now, the action sequences are pretty badass. Denzel Washington does a good job. Um, there's a lot of things that are in there that just doesn't, they don't really make sense. For some reason, before every fight sequence, it goes into this like super slow mo tactical breakdown from like a, you know, super zoom into Denzel Washington's eye and then from the perspective of Denzel. Oh, yeah, he I heard about breaks, that. He breaks down the room and he, you know, he's checking out everything, the people and what weapons are available. I don't know what, for what reason, but that's in there. It's like uh, Guy Ritchie's Sherlock Holmes, right? Where they kind of like analyzes everything because he's... Yes. Yeah. But it, I, you know, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, And then there's a, you know, he kills that scene that's in the trailer where he takes out all those guys in that room. Yeah. Oh boy! So they have they bring in this Russian cleanup guy to you know find Denzel and take him out, and he goes to the crime scene. And for some reason, when he's looking at the people that died, their pictures, they like show how they died again, even though it just happened like three minutes ago. They just feel the need to show you again how each one of these guys died. I guess because it was so badass. But the ridiculous thing is that it ends up at Hallmark. So the final confrontation with this badass Russian group is in Hallmark. And he sets up all these booby traps and just takes them out one by one. Even uses a nail gun at one point. Oh, you gotta love that. Everything is hilarious. All of it. It's just ridiculous and hilarious. But the action sequences are kind of cool. So it was an enjoyable it was an enjoyable movie. Maybe not for all the right reasons. Mm. But, uh, yeah. And then it ends with him. So he decides, all right, I'm going to help out people. I'm going to be the Good Samaritan. So he takes his services to Craigslist. 
But there's a whole scene where it shows his computer screen and it's just a Craigslist advertisement that says, if you need help, let me know. And then below it, he, get, I guess, gets an email from a guy that's like, hey, I need help. And he just, you know, camera pulls up to Denzel just shaking his head like, yeah, I'm going to help this guy. He's just like, he goes to Craigslist? What the fuck? That's, yeah, that sounds completely ridiculous. <laughs> oh, and he's breaking down classical literature for you. You know, fish got to be the fish. Old man got to be old man. I mean, just breaking it down. Hmm. All right. So, is that a recommend from you? Or? It's kind of. It's kind of <laughs> recommend. It's not a good movie, but it is kind of a recommend. Okay, so it's one of those kind of dumb, fun action movies. There's, yeah, there's a whole. He blows up an entire, entire, entire oil refinery. Nice. And just walks through it in slow mo as the explosions are happening around him. Well, you gotta an love that. Oil refinery. And he just waltzes out of there like he's, you know, going to Walmart to put it in an eight-hour shift. Nice. Ridiculous. So the Equalizer, I'm assuming that that's available on DVD. pretty much everywhere these days. I think yeah. it's out now. Uh, I saw one that came out this weekend called Girl House. Now, we had a review for this up on the site way back. Uh, I think Ernie saw it at ScreamFest in L.A. last year. Uh, but just came out on VOD in, in limited release this weekend. This is a slasher movie that I had very low expectations for. I okay. went into it. Like, these days, the slasher movie is all but dead. I mean, they... every Pretty much every idea has been played out in the slasher mm-hmm. subgenre. And I gotta say, this one is pretty damn good. It's basically about a uh, a house of mm, internet webcam girls okay and the the house is rigged with cameras all over uh, every room has cameras it's one of those porn sites where the people can pay to chat with the girls and see their live cam shows or whatever and and uh, view different rooms in the house and just kind of watch them live their lives. And it's like, I can't remember how many girls live there. Like six girls, maybe. And there's a, a killer that's kind of obsessed with these girls. And then he becomes fixated on this one girl that that's kind of the new girl. And she's trying to just get some extra money to pay for college. Because she's she can't pay tuition. She's going to get kicked out. So she just kind of yeah. does it for extra money. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this guy, who's played by the rapper Slain, okay. becomes he becomes obsessed with this girl, and then a series of events occur that kind of make him snap. And he oh, infiltrates this house and kills the girls one by one. Sounds oh, very yeah. sounds like a very typical slasher movie, and it is by and large it is a typical slasher movie. But everything about it is done so well that. It, it makes it an easy recommend. It, he's the killer is creepy. He has almost no dialogue. He says, I think maybe one or two. He has like one or two lines throughout the movie, but he's mostly silent. He wears this creepy mask. It looks very reminiscent of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's not. Oh, it's, it's it's not a skin mask, but it's yeah, like a woman's mask. It's like a creepy woman's mask. 
the girls are surprisingly smart. You know, a lot of times in movies like this, they, they make dumb decisions. They just do dumb things that people wouldn't do in real life. In this movie, yeah. they actually make calculated, educated decisions. They try to call the police. They try to leave the house. They they do what normal people would do in a, situ- in a home invasion situation like that. Uh, That's refreshing. Yeah. The, the kills are fairly brutal and pretty inventive. Uh, there's one scene where he he cuts off one of the girl's fingers, all of her oh. fingers on both hands. Uh-huh. And there's a scene where she needs to try to type, type, oh. type something on a keyboard. So she's trying to use just oh, no. her bloody stumps. Oh, geez. Uh, and that was pretty. And he also slices up her face really bad too. Oh no. So there's some really brutal stuff. He traps one girl in a sauna and cranks it all the way up to like 400 degrees surprisingly she gets out though she's smart enough to get herself out of there but uh i i recommend it i think that it's if you're into slasher movies but you're kind of tired of how just stale they've gotten over the last 10 years really i think that this is an excellent excellent slasher movie and this will certainly go my top 10 horror movies of the year i had a lot of fun with this one Hmm. I might actually have to check this one out. Yeah, Girl House. It is on VOD uh, right now. Okay. Now the other one that I watched that's actually extremely close to the Equalizer, which I didn't again had no idea. That's John Wick. Ugh. So John Wick takes out the entire Russian mafia too. Had no idea, but instead of John Wick being you know super nice guy, they took that out. And instead of him trying to help out Chloe Grace Moritz for some reason, which is what Equalizer is all about, he he's just pissed off about a beagle puppy. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that fucking beagle puppy. Yeah. God damn, he was so cute. Which I got to say is the quickest I've ever been sold on a character's mission. Yeah. Like right after the break-in happens. You know, just, these fuckers, yeah, gotta, like, they got to go. I was just like, well... Let's kill everyone. I'm I'm with it. Let's do it, John. Let's just kill everyone just as ruthlessly as possible. I'm with you, buddy. Let's do this. Let's get into it. Now, what I didn't know is how surprisingly good all the action sequences would be. Loved it. Because they are fantastic. Yeah. And no. it's a lot of close quarters combat, yeah. hand-to-hand, what? with incorporating the gunplay yeah, I was gonna, as well. I was going to ask, what did you think of the gun kata in this, where he's kind of punching people with guns? Yes, he, he is. I actually kind of liked it. Yeah, I liked and it too. The thing that worked and kind of offset it is that John Wick knows what it is. And it's it knows that it's just a ridiculously fun time, old school actioner. And there's a good amount of comedy yeah, sprinkled yeah. in throughout this. Plus, like the, the way the way that Michael, what's uh, what's his name, Michael Nyquist, Nyquist, mm-hmm. what I can't remember how what his name is, when he learns what happened, just his going oh, and then hanging up the phone. To me, that was just hilarious. I, yeah, I I loved the, the this movie was such a surprise to me because of the the world the world building in this movie (laughs) there's so much backstory because when when they he finds out that it was john wick everybody already knows who john wick is 
but we don't really know who John Wick is. And yeah, I loved how kind of guess every every person that finds out, they're like, oh, oh, oh no, <laughs> like oh, yeah, like oh, shit. they knew. And uh, the I love the whole the hotel and how there's is- this this crazy like money system and this this whole like secret underground world happening here yeah it just it and it throws it in just like for the most of the film you're like okay this kind of takes place in the real world yeah but it's ridiculous and over the top and then the continental shows up and you're like oh okay this is a comic book world but this is not a comic book movie yeah. What the, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. The, the, there's this whole code. There's like you said. There's a money system. There's unspoken rules. Yeah. There's just all the stuff that goes into it that you're like, I want to know more. Yeah. About all of this. And then that whole nightclub sequence. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah. That was ridiculous. And the fact that like I I thought John Wick was kind of a cold killing machine that's just unstoppable. But then he stabs that guy through the bottom of the mouth, which also happens in The Equalizer, just to give you a heads up. But in The Equalizer, it's a corkscrew. So he does through the bottom of the mouth and then just stares him down Yeah. as he slides down the wall. Just stare. He leaves himself open to being killed numerous times just because he's so fucking cold. Yeah. He just stares that guy down until he dies. That is heartless. My goodness. But at the same time, there's numerous times where he should die, and he actually gets out of it because he has like a guardian angel type thing going on. Yeah, I love I I love John Wick so much. I thought it was just just a blast, and they and just the the final sequence where you know again the head Russian honcho is just laughing in the car drinking alcohol Mm because he knows he knows it's over. (laughs) He's just and then he you know. The guy asked for a gun, and he's like giving it to him. Nope, nope. Keep pulling it away. He's like, good luck. Oh my goodness, what a just a good time. I had such so much fun with this. I I will gladly take more of these. Just give me more John Wicks. I'm 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 in. Well, they Let's do it. Yeah, they did announce the sequel, so it, I I want to see it. It is gonna happen. Can you believe? Can, can you believe he's fifty? Keanu Reeves. He he looks damn good for fifty years old, and he he did a lot of physical stuff in that movie. He does, he does. I mean, there's a couple of times where you can tell that he doesn't have the the athleticism that he maybe never had to begin with. Yeah. I don't know. I can't remember the Matrix and how well he pulled off those things. Yeah, a lot of wire work in the Matrix, though. So I don't know. But and then there's all there's a couple of times where he's like. He's shooting people in the head that are already dead, yeah. like excessively. Like he'll just yeah. tap them like three times, and you're like, "There's something wrong with you." The uh, the violence is very excessive in this movie, and he and it, he makes sure kind of, that people are dead. And it even kind of like pushes you back a little bit. Like, should you really be rooting for this guy? Because I was completely in, and then you see him how he's killing people, and you're like, "Man, this is this is really excessive, buddy. Can we just like cool down a notch?" Just bring it down a little bit. And there's actually one Russian thug that shows up in both of these movies, and he looks exactly the same. He has this mustache where he, like, twirls it at the end. Yeah. He looks like a video game character. Mm-hmm. And he's in both of them. So, I, hell, I thought they were the same movie. And the Russian Russian gangsters, man, they are easy to take out. <laughs> <laughs> what is the Russian's answer to that? They 
apparently they don't train their gangsters. No, just one guy takes out everyone. It's nothing they can do. Uh, John Wick, that's uh, available on home home platforms. Now. And that is a big time recommend. I, I I mean, I thought it would be enjoyable, but man, I was surprised. Yeah, it's I a blast. I did not think I would have that much fun with it, but holy shit, I want to watch it right now. Yeah, I, I'm actually going to rewatch it very soon, I think, because uh, I haven't seen it since it was in the theater, so very excited. John Wick, check it out. Uh, I saw another horror movie that came out this weekend called Digging Up the Marrow. Again, sweet poster, by the way. It is a sweet poster. Again, this is available on video on demand and limited release. It's playing in one theater around where I'm at. This is directed by Adam Green, who did the Hatchet movies, another modern slasher. I, I like okay. the I like the first Hatchet very much. I wasn't big on the the second or third. And he also did Frozen, the the one where the oh the cartoon, cool. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hate that now I have to make the distinction. He did the one where they're trapped on the ski lift, which I liked okay. a lot. I liked that movie a lot. Thought it was really clever. This movie is actually quite clever too. Uh, I I did see a trailer for this, so I, I kind of knew what it was about, and I was not excited for it because it's a mockumentary, and you know, just chalk up another found footage mockumentary style horror movie. Add this to the ever growing list. But the thing about this one is, I kind of liked it. Uh oh. So kinda. So the way that it's set up is Adam Green stars in this movie and he plays himself making a documentary about monsters. And the film begins with him interviewing famous horror icons at various conventions and things. And this is all real. It's like an actual sit down one on one interview style talking head documentary. So it, begins as a real documentary and then he talks about how he has uh, a very loyal fan base because of his uh, the the few horror movies that he made and he talks about how people send him things and then he starts talking about this one guy who insists that monsters are real and that he has evidence so adam Uh green decides to uh, document this guy and he goes and interviews him. The guy's played by Ray Wise, which okay, it's there you go. it's an interesting choice because because at first you think oh you should definitely hire an unknown because then it, it keeps the the suspension of disbelief going. But as soon as Ray Wise comes on, it it breaks it breaks all of that, and you're like, okay, clearly this is. I never thought that it was a real documentary to begin with, but it does look and feel very much like a real documentary. So it was easy for me to pretend that I was watching an actual documentary. But as soon as Ray Wise comes on, you just, that's all you know completely broken. However, Ray Wise is awesome in this, like he is in pretty much everything. So he plays this kind of nut who thinks that monsters are real and that they live in a subterranean a city known as the mm-hmm. marrow mm-hmm. yeah and they decide to try to seek out the marrow and find out what's going on and of course they do find oh, that God. that monsters are real oh, and shit. i will say that the creature design in this is pretty awesome too 
I don't know how much of it is practical and CG. It all looks really good. If it's if it is CG, it's really good CG. Um, it might be some sort of blend, but the practical effects are quite good. Very inventive, creative-looking creatures. You can see them on the poster there. They're really weird-looking. And yeah, uh, that, that poster's badass. It is. Uh, the only thing that I will say about it, the thing that really brought it down for me, two things. First, like a lot of these found footage uh, mockumentary-style movies, there's just not a lot going on here. There's not a lot of scares. It's a very slow burn. Most of the movie is just Adam Green talking with his wife or Adam Green talking with his cinematographer, who they all play themselves, so Mm -hmm. it keeps that, you know, realistic vibe. Or his producer, and, and... there's not a lot of horror in this movie. Yeah. So I wanted more of that because the creatures that we do see, we only see them for a very short amount of time. I'm guessing that a lot, that a lot of this could be just due to budget or that they are really trying to sell this as a real documentary. But as soon as you see one of these creatures, you just want more of that. You want to see more of these creatures because they're crazy looking. And when those scenes happen, it's awesome. But it, they just, there's not enough of that. I wanted so much more. And the other thing that bothered me was the end. I thought that the end was really anticlimactic. And it was just one of those, another trope of these types of movies where it just has that abrupt ending. Uh, and oh that's what happens in it. it I definitely got a, a, uh, a Nightbreed vibe to it where there's all these different types of creatures. They weren't just one... Type. Does a moon guy pop up? Moonface? No, Moonface doesn't pop up. Oh, that would have been sweet. No, Moon Moonface doesn't pop up. The the creatures are really awesome in this though. <laughs> They're really weird looking. I might have to watch it just to see the creature creature effects. It takes a long time before you see before you see anything. Well, maybe I'll do something else during that time. You could just let it play. Yeah, you could. Do, you could do dishes or vacuum or something like that. It's still a light recommend for me, though. I do have a review up on the site. I initially scored it a five and a half, Ooh. but I, I bumped it to a six just because oh, I, I really liked what was happening here. I just I wanted more. Give me more of this. And I wish I wish that you got to see more of the marrow, you know, down in the city, in the city, like like in Nightbreed, you get to see the whole city that's happening, the, the little because Ray Wise talks about it. He says, oh, I, I believe that they live down there and they get married and have divorces and they have a whole civilization down there. And, and it, you know, my imagination, my imagination was running wild. I wanted to see that. Hmm. But still, Digging Up the Marrow, solid, solid movie. It did also feel like kind of a, a little bit of a glad handing to Adam Green because Pretty much everybody throughout this movie is wearing either frozen shirts, his his frozen, oh, or Holliston shirts, which is the TV show that he created. Jeez. Oh, so there See, is that, that might that might irritate. Yeah, it, it does get to be a little bit too much, but at the same time, this is it's probably what they wear in real life. You know, it's it, this is probably their lives. He probably does wear frozen and hatchet shirts and stuff. He was wearing an Alamo Drafthouse shirt in one scene. Probably because he couldn't sell. 
Zing. <laughs> oh, boy. Digging up the marrow. Available now on VOD. Check it out. All right. I'm I'm done. Okay. I uh, did. I did. Just to give you... Just to give you a little nugget, a little taste for next week, I did start, uh, re- was it Revenge of the Ninja? Oh, okay. Oh, boy. We are going to have a lot to talk about. That was I'm a- only halfway through that thing. That's an early and- That's an early canon film. Oh, boy. Is it ridiculous. Uh, the only other one that I'll briefly mention is a documentary that I saw called Wild in the Streets. This came out... Uh, I guess it came out in 2013, although it actually takes place in 2006. So I'm not sure really what happened there. Uh, It's a documentary about the um, this ancient game of soccer that's played in this town in England. And it basically gave birth to soccer and American football as we know it and rugby. Okay. So in ancient ancient times i think i can't remember how far back it went i believe they said a thousand years so it's uh it's a thousand year old tradition in i believe the why don't i not have this pulled up i believe that it's ashburn that's the uh that's the town that this takes place in and basically it started out as uh just a competition between uh two halves of this uh city Mm. and literally it started off with them cutting off the head of a virgin and kicking it through the town and Uh eventually years later they stopped kicking the head of the virgin and used a ball how many how many years did it take Uh, quite a few quite a few years (laughs) and i bet you do they say why yeah because it was supposed to be because it's like a farming community so it was supposed to be uh, a way to bless the land yeah but i mean do they say like what do they go into detail like why they stopped no cutting the heads because i bet you any money that it was just because they couldn't find they one couldn't find year. any more virgins <laughs> there's like one year where they're like do we have any virgins no all right well wait just... we killed all of them in the last <laughs> jesus well, well what can we do so I... So they eventually use a ball, and every year they have this tradition where on um, it's over two days, and it's um, Fat Tuesday and Ash Wednesday, and they mm-hmm, mm-hmm. play soccer. And it's grown over the years to be this huge monumental thing where the entire city gets involved, and you have 3,000 people playing this soccer game. And... You have the downards and the uppards. And because it's the whole town, you have family members that are on opposite teams playing against each other. And you got to see, you can you can look at videos and stuff. It's wild. It's wild to see. Imagine a soccer match that, inst- that has a thousand people in it. Yes. All trying to get one ball. <laughs> it's crazy. The, the pitch, it's three miles long. Oh, my God. It's a three-mile long. It goes through the whole town. And it's crazy to see the history because eventually this game that started off as a town playing this <laughs> playing this game. Kicking kick around kicking it, the cap ahead. Yeah. It, eventually, it eventually evolved into rugby. That's, that's where rugby started. And then 
rugby. So someone at some point started to pick up the head. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think at the begin. Well, in this game, you can pick it up. You can pick oh, it up okay. and run and run with it. You don't have to kick it. Uh, so that eventually evolved into rugby, and then certain towns started setting rules where you weren't allowed to touch the ball, and that yeah. eventually turned into soccer as we know it, and it then started spreading across the world, and then more rules were added, and that turned into American football. So every all these sports it came from this one game that was played in this town in Ashburn in England. That's crazy. I'm going to have to watch that. Yeah, it's, this, uh, What's this called again? It's called Wild in the Streets. It's narrated by uh, uh, Sean Bean. And okay. it's on Hulu right now. Hulu. Oh, boy. So if you have Hulu Plus, I guess, you can watch it. And it's just this... If you're into soccer, it's a really fascinating story. But it's also crazy to see an entire freaking town play this game. Because it's it, it gets violent. Well, of course it does. <laughs> And they're like die hard, die hard. When you when you're young, they come to your school. the The heads of each team come to your school and try to recruit people for their team. And once you decide which side you're on, you have to stay with that side for the rest of your life. <laughs> and they said they said in it that more people have clim- climbed Mount Everest than have scored a goal. In this game, it's called. Uh, it's what's well, yeah, it called? That makes sense. Shrovetide. That's the the name of Shrovetide. Shrovetide. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a that's a wicked name for a sport. Yeah. Yeah. So Shrovetide. Check it out if you're if you're interested. Wild in the streets. And I, I enjoy the the documentary itself is pretty shitty. Like it looks it looks really old and kind of crappy quality, but. The uh, the information is pretty interesting. So, hmm. all right, let's go ahead and move on to some predictions. We have the Duff. The Duff got a zero. That's what you said. So you said yeah. you said zero. <clears throat> I said eighteen. Actual sixty-two. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, that that was surprising. Critics are actually liking the Duff. They said it's this. This year's Mean Girls, or this generation's Mean Girls, or some some shit. <laughs> oh my! So we're wow. a little bit off on the Duff. We're also a little bit off on Hot Tub Time Machine too. You said thirty-two. I said sixty-two. Actual fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, I'm not surprised there. Nope, not surprised. I was like I said last week. Um, I was I was a hopeful 62. I wanted it to be a 62. All right, uh, McFarland USA. You said 68. I said 51. Actual 77. Come on, come on now. Yeah, Wild Tales actually got a 91. If you're curious. Ooh. So yeah. I can see that. Uh yeah, yeah I can see that. Next week, we have Focus. That's the one with Will Smith. Mm-hmm. This one just kind of came out of nowhere for me. <laughs> it sure did, didn't it? I never heard of it. In fact, Ryan was the one that told me about this movie because he sends me a text message. And he goes, he's like, did you get a screener for Focus? And I was like, no, I don't even know what that is. And he's like, it's with Will Smith. 
And I looked it up and I was like, oh, okay. There's a movie called Focus that's coming out in like a week. Is it a remake of the William H. Macy one? Mm. Do, you, do, you remember, do you remember seeing that? William H. Macy. Uh, yeah, we saw it at uh, the Charles, right? Yeah, Meatloaf. Yeah, that was the one with the... Um, it was the uh, racism one, right? Yep, the anti-Semitic. Anti, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's Based right. on the author, Arthur Miller. That's right. Oh man, good times. Forgot good about memories. forgot about that movie. Now I think that this is about Will Smith is a con man and he, he recruits a young woman to be his partner or something, and he trains her. Mm, that sounds so good. What are you thinking on Focus? Focus, thirty-eight. I'm gonna say yeah, that's a good. I'll say thirty-two on that one. Uh, we also have the Lazarus Effect. This is an odd one. Horror movie what? with Olivia Wilde and Mark Duplass. What? You haven't heard of this? I have not. No. Yeah, it's a. That sounds. That sounds interesting. Yeah, it's a horror movie with Olivia Wilde and Mark Duplass. They bring dead patients back to life. Mm-hmm. Huh. Wow. This actually looks interesting. Olivia Wilde, Donald Glover. Yeah. Huh. I did not hear about this one at all. Yeah. Under the radar. Yeah, Evan Peters is in it, too, from American Horror Story. And uh, here's another thing that's even weirder. It's directed what? by the guy that did uh, Jiro Dreams of Sushi. What? <laughs> it's so bizarre. What a weird mishmash of talent in this movie. <laughs> wow. that that That's interesting. Yeah. That is very interesting. Uh, I love that the user review for this at the bottom is the film is blatant anti-christianism but they missed the s so it's anti-christian apparently yeah because sign me up yeah because that that person saw this movie already apparently idiots (laughs) i'm gonna say i I don't have no idea what to say about this one so i don't either this is just bizarre i'll say 72 on it that's a good one uh i'm gonna go to uh, 68 alright uh, I think that that may be it as far as wide releases next next week there's a ton of limited release stuff so we have 71 I think that's the okay. that's the that's, one with uh, Jack O'Connell right yeah which I've been hearing about for like two years I'm interested finally, in that one I'm not fi- finally making its way yeah I'm not sure what, what's up with that Deli Man Sure. Maps to the Stars is finally getting a release. Oh, boy. Yeah. I think that, well, we'll get to VOD stuff. Everly, Out of the Dark, Wild Canaries. Yes. My Life, directed by Nicholas Winding Refn. Ooh, boy. That, one's, that, that one seems interesting. Kind of. And The Salvation, which I'm also into. Mads Mikkelsen in a Western. Yep. Sign it. Sign me up. Next week on Video On Demand, we have Vanish. It's a action movie with Danny Trejo. Wow. Boy, oh boy. They've followed me and unfollowed me so many times on Twitter. <laughs> so many times. <laughs> like every other day. It's a follow and unfollow? Uh, follow and unfollow. I'm not kidding. Like nine, ten times maybe. Serena, uh, Kung Fu Elliot. That came out in limited release this weekend. I'd say if it's if that's playing in your area, see it. If it's if uh, if you don't have it in your area, check it out on VOD. Trust me, okay. that that, right. that is a good one. 
You gotcha. will be surprised and delighted with that documentary. Maps to the Stars. I guess we'll probably review that next weekend. Oh, great. Well, you already saw it. I didn't see it yet. Oh, you didn't see it yet? Mm-mm. Nope. Really? No, I just had to wait. That's, that's surprising. Yeah. That means I'm going to have to watch it again, though. God damn yeah, it. Maybe if, if you remember things. I don't remember shit. Okay. The Salvation. I imagine we'll be doing The Salvation as well. And Ejecta. Ejecta. Next week so on what, D- so what? what is it's looking like next week's episode is going to be maps to the stars, wild canaries, and the salvation. Yep. So what we got going on? Yeah, that's. That's. that's I think. I, like, I think that's one. Of, forward to that one. One of the few weeks that I can actually say, yeah, I think that that's what we're gonna do. Because most weeks it's like, we, well, we got this one, and then maybe one or two other ones. All right, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, me too. Me too. Count me in. DVD and Blu-ray next week. We have Beyond the Lights. Big Hero 6, we'll have a Blu-ray review for that up, uh, probably by the time you're listening to this. Code Black, that was one that interested me, but I just don't know if I ha- can handle it. That's the one that takes place in the emergency room. Mm. It's a documentary, and it's just, I think that it just follows one night in an emergency room. Gotcha. It looks really intense. Uh, Horrible Bosses 2. Oh, boy. Yeah, not... <laughs> Uh, Vanish and Whiplash. So check out Whiplash if you haven't yet. Criterions. Oh, we got two. We have Martin Rosen's Watership Down. Uh oh. Hand drawn animation. 1978 brings the Richard Adams classic to the big screen, which I had no idea that they that there was a Watership Down movie. No, I didn't either. Actually. I did not know that. I'm actually I'm very interested in seeing this. So you got that going on, and then you got a Fellini, Federico Fellini's Fellini Satyricon, I guess. Is that how you say that? I don't know. 1969. Supposed to be, you know, craziness from Fellini. There you have it. So get into that. It's a little little Nero action. Doing a little classical Roman satire. (laughs) Oh, boy. That's what it's all about right there. All right, well, I think that that will wrap it up for the week. Send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net. We'll be sure to answer them on the show. Also on Twitter, at FilmPulseNet and at FilmPulseKevin. And be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson, and we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie. I'm full of anxiety. This black cloud, it just hangs by me. Vampire fiending for blood on his fangs, probably. It's how they got me, so they flee like it's a bank robbery. Look at me oddly when I hobble through the dang lobby. They can't divide me from the violence that I hide inside me. Not 1700s. Way before that. <laughs> 1700s. I, I, That's like... I, the funny thing is, is, in my head, I'm, I was like flipping back and forth. And I was like, should I call him out on that? Yes, call, he, yes you, sh- you should have.